Ladies and gentlemen, it's your boy, Sammy B. Real, back again with another episode of the Ghost Lights Podcast. Today I am honored to have uh, what has become a new friend and new um, favorite actor of mine, Jihad Mihaim. I, I mispronounced your last name. Jihad Melhem. There it is. Thank you. Me and Jihad did um, You on the Moors now, and now we are reunited again for Guards at the Taj yeah. for Betsy, the Boulder Ensemble Theater Company. Um, we are two weeks away from opening night, January 27th. Please go get those tickets. Visit the website because they are already selling out. Um, it's awesome to be able to sit and do this with you, especially to for us to help just talk more about what we're doing and the like, but to build up our show because right now it's a pretty intense ride, I'd say. Yeah, it's the best script I've ever been a part of, and it's probably the most demanding role I've had thus far. Um, it's everything I've ever wanted, and it's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of hard, no, kidding, we won't go there. We already do that enough in rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a unique piece. It's, I've been saying since Jump Street that it's eerily similar of Waiting for Godot and um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, two shows that have just recently happened. Um, do you find any similar correlations to that with Guards at the Taj? Yeah, um, I have to be honest. I haven't read Waiting for Godot since college, so I'm a more rusty on that. But definitely RNG. I got to understudy Michael Bouchard mm-hmm. for Rosencrantz for that show, so. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, like, talking in circles. It's not an absurd piece, but it focuses in a, in a very absurd situation. Like, uh, we're supposedly cutting off 20,000 men's hands in one night. Mm. But that's... Uh, our fearless director, Steven, did the math, and that's just not possible. Yeah. But we we do it within the confines of the play. But... I'd say outside of that situation, it's a very realistic show. Um, uh, so it's, I mean, I, I'd i say there's just a lot of the camaraderie. There's one character that's more playful and another that's more, um, uh, I guess, right brain and left brain would probably be the best way to say it. Yeah. Um, there are... There are jokes that are based on misunderstanding or very elaborate metaphors that are taken to a crazy degree. Um, there are people who are in a circumstance beyond their control trying to make sense out of it, even though it's something you can't make sense from. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a play specifically written for people who aren't white. Which mm. is also pretty cool. Definitely. Even though neither of us are the correct ethnicity for the show. Very true. But, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm still very thankful to have the part. Absolutely. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Speaking specifically for me, just, it's a grind. It's, it, physically, it's a grind. I mean, you've got a lot of physical stuff going on. The, the, the fight choreography has been fun. I'm glad it's, it's rounding itself out. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, the... So many similar lines and so much standing at the beginning, and we talked about it today. In fact, and I've been feeling it. This, this, it's hard to build up the energy. Not in terms of like the desire to be here and do the show. It's just the, the urgency at the top to get the audience hooked. It's, it's, 
it's weird to try and start a play from two very stationary positions as we do without yeah. giving too much away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's um, it's definitely the first time I've had to do that when I wasn't just standing on stage as like, you know, mm-hmm. a, a soldier br- number three, breathing prop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for that challenge. I'm glad that I get to be a little more active than you. Yeah. That's definitely something I get to come in with. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to do it. I've, I've never done it before. And, you know, it's uh, great acting as free falling. Definitely. And we get to free fall while standing up for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, Rajiv Joseph is a brilliant, brilliant playwright. It's, it's been fun to, to dive into one of his works again. Thank you so much for joining me today. Sure, Honestly, sure. it's really cool that we're able to hammer out and make the time to do this and for you to be a guest on here. You're, you are putting in the work and, and, and really dedicated to your craft, so just carving out some time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Definitely. Thanks. I mean, right now I'm just doing this and a school tour and working out, so I was able to make my world work to where I could really focus on this. So yes. with that said, you know, you're not biting into my day you know definitely well um with that as a member as a as a guest on the ghost slides we only have one rule which is don't get fired don't say anything that you think might get you blackballed or anything like that but uh, try and be as candid as possible um and with that here's the question that i ask all of my prey acting art what got you started man um yeah, uh, I don't know. I I grew up uh, in front of a television. Is basically what I did, and uh, for a long time, I thought I wanted to be a theoretical physicist mm. because of Back to the Future. Um, I wanted to figure out how to travel through time, and then when I got a little older, I wanted to be a medical doctor. I was watching a lot of VR, um, and then. Uh, and then when I was in high school I ended up going to my arts high school for photography because that's what I wanted to do and then I took an acting class because uh, you know you needed some random art classes um, and that seemed fun because I'd done some acting like as a kid uh, in school plays and stuff and uh then I did it, uh, I took the acting class and like our first week, I think it was the, it was the anniversary of 9-11, our theater teacher had us create scenes around 9-11, either like on that day, in that place, mm-hmm. something like that. It was pretty intense for like 13 and 14 year olds, but we, we did it and I like instantly went to that emotional place and like... I think I ended up giving somebody bruises on their arm. I felt really bad about it, but I like, I understood I had that innate emotional availability, um, and people kept telling me I was good at it. So, um, I was a lazy kid. I wanted to do what I was naturally good at. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kept doing it, and then I realized that like all those other things I wanted to do, I wanted to do them because. 
I'm an actor because I wanted to do other stuff, except maybe photography. I still would love to make movies eventually. I really love moving images and uh, how they're kind of an all-encompassing art form. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just love movies. So yeah, that's what got me going. And then I got into a career center program uh, for theater my last two years in high school. Um, and that's where I actually got to know my wife, but we didn't date until years after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, and then that's when it really became a thing. Like I got into that and the music career center for rapping and I had to choose one. So I chose theater because it didn't make sense to go to school for rapping because I didn't know anybody who was doing that. Yeah. There's and not like, a lot of MCs out there like bragging about their BA in rapping. Right, right. And they would have probably had me learn the keyboard or something just so I was still doing something instrumental. Mm-hmm. But that was still a big deal. I think I was the first rapper they ever accepted into the program. But I still chose acting because it just, again, it, it made more sense. And more of my friends were going to that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then... Uh, it just kept going from there. Like, I don't know. I still think some of my best acting was when I was in high school. I'm probably totally wrong, but I wasn't in my head. I wasn't thinking yeah. too much. I, the only time I've ever walked on stage and then don't remember anything until I walked off was when I was in high school. Yeah. And I know that's a good sign. That's like some of the best actors I know, I've heard them say that, that like... They hear action and then they don't remember anything until cut. Mm-hmm. Or they go on stage and they don't remember anything until they walk off. Um, not that that's necessarily consistent, but like, I think that really shows that you're not there. That you're truly zen. That you're truly getting out of the way. You're yeah. just being. Which I think is the whole game. Um, yeah, I mean, on like a deeper level, I, I don't know. Like... I I had a pretty traumatic childhood. There was a lot of things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom's a schizophrenic. I have a lot of drug use and alcoholism in my family. My father's a devout Muslim from Palestine. Very, very different cultures. Never really felt like I belonged anywhere. Grew up in the suburbs and then moved out to the hood. In the suburbs, I was like the brown kid. In the mm-hmm. hood, I was white boy. And then I started doing theater more and more and then my friends started becoming whiter and then I was Arab again Mm. Um, you know I I think just like understanding your place in the world like when I first started acting a lot in high school I really loved the fact that there was no real risk Mm -hmm. that you could let shit blow up and it was okay it was just uh, you know uh your job Uh, and then as as time went on I started to see it's not therapy Um, it's it's work Mm -hmm. and like therapy is therapy you know yeah Um, so so that helped me a lot but you know I think I just you know like I grew up in you know in uh, a dramatic family with dramatic circumstances a lot mm-hmm. and that doesn't necessarily always mean screaming and yelling and fighting but you know it, it, it was always a 10 whatever was going on was a 10 for the most part mm-hmm. um, 
And I, I think I also became a, a chameleon pretty naturally just from, you know, having so many different circumstances where you, you go to one household and everybody's smoking inside and people are drinking in front of children until they're blackout drunk. And then you go to another situation where I'm getting attacked for smelling like smoke and, you know, yeah. everybody's a devout Muslim and they don't do anything. And, um, you know, I mean, in, in, in terms of drugs, at, yeah. at, at least. So, and then also, depending on what neighborhood I was going to or what school I went to, I think I went to like 10 different elementary schools, maybe more. Um, yeah, me and my mom got evicted a lot. So, you know, it was just, I think I learned to roll with the punches, like to be a nomad to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. And um, I understand human behavior in a certain way, just because I was a different person depending on who I was around, which yeah. we all are. But I yeah. think I understood, understood that pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. And then like... When it came time to decide what I wanted to do and realizing I was a good actor and like I could probably get into schools, um, my both of my parents hated the idea because uh, they wanted me to make money yeah. as everybody does. And, but I realized, especially watching, so my mom had two kids before she met my father. Then my older sister introduced my mom and dad. They got married. They had me and then they got a divorce and my father had three children after that. So I'm the middle first, last, and only. The only one they had together, the middle one if you count them all, uh -huh. my last on my mom's side, and the first on my father's side. Uh -huh. So, um, I forgot why I brought that up. Middle first, last, and only. Name of my one-man show. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, the, uh, the idea of, like, uh, I really lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Um, I think you were just, um, just explaining your ability to understand human behavior by what you went through. And right, right, right. Family experiences. and Yeah, yeah. So I was like, my older brother and sister were 18 years and 15 years older than me. Wow. So I was like having another pair of parents who are in their 20s. Yeah. You know, like, uh, uh, so... All, all, all those things, yeah, just... Um, well, right. My folks didn't want me to do acting because they thought I'd never make any money. Mm. Um, not saying they're wrong, folks, but uh, uh, watching my older brother and sister, they were working, you know, like blue-collar, working-class jobs, mm -hmm. and they hated it, and they weren't very fulfilled, and I watched them, like get drunk or like look for other things outside of their job. Their job was just something to do. And I, they weren't rich. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I, I would rather do something that I love and be broke the rest of my life. I chose to value time over money yeah. is what I've been saying more and more lately. Nice. Time over money. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that was the logistical choice. And then I think it was just uh, natural. And I've always loved movies. Yeah. I've always loved movies and that's really clear hanging out with you I mean your ability to pull up recall all these different types of movies mm -hmm. and the way you think about them and discuss them afterwards has been really cool it's uh, an ability to see see that work and appreciate it in the moment depending on who you were watching 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, again, I was just, I, I would memorize the TV guide when I was a kid. Mm. Like, it was to that extent. And up until, like, late middle school, I didn't really have to try in school. Mm. Um, partially because we moved around so much, and I was just smart, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I just watched a lot of shit. And uh, as time went on, I would just know, like, what year things came up. Who directed them? Who was this? Who was that? And then as I started acting more, just started to really appreciate all the things that are going into making those things happen. And in high school, started working down the AFI list, mm. which, you know, yeah. it's just a list. But it, it's a good uh, darting point if you're trying to understand cinema with the capital C, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, I mean, and now it's just, I, it, it's an obsession. When I'm not, like, working on this, I'm just either watching some bullshit about, like, the cosmos or math or something. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, like, scenes from movies I really love on YouTube or yeah. little documentaries about how people made this or how people did this or somebody talking about how their career started. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, now I just want to become the greatest actor I can be before I die mm. and hopefully I have faith that that will lead to making a living doing it mm -hmm. and I, I already am kind of uh, I'm not doing anything else and I'm paying my bills but you know like I'm just having faith that if I keep doing what I'm doing and try to do every day better than the last day yeah. and also you know uh, try to look what I think would make me more commercially viable mm -hmm. and keep going. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think art is the best thing we do. I've As heard, humanity. Yeah, I heard Steve Martin say that once. I mean, you know, medicine's great, science is amazing, warfare has its place. I think Naya once told me that all great all great technological advances come from war mm -hmm. and he's right like quantum physics and like all the stuff that we have now including the phone recording this conversation exactly is because of world war ii and the cold war mm. that's why but with that said i still think art is the best thing we do yeah um yeah and uh so much of it is like a window or avenue to someone's soul or the collective spirit that we're either trying to see or learn more about or just experience in and of itself be a part of yeah it's like it, like in terms of music i mean me and you have talked about rap rap music and i i, I don't know how you feel because i mean we haven't gone totally in depth in it but mm -hmm. like the poetry of some rap music is undeniable and it's beautiful and there are some that do it better than others and you know you've got a good You've got a good rapper when he does when he or she doesn't even need a beat, basically to to get that message across, and it's it's what connects us. I think art is what is the main thing that connects us, especially music and other things that you have to experience like that, is what kind of brings us all together because it's the um the it's our common language, it's a universal language. Yeah. Do you feel similar to that, or? Sure, sure. I mean, technically, the universal language is mathematics. Well, yeah. 
But that's just because everything can be broken down into mathematics, including uh, objects that aren't alive. But I, I would, I would agree with that. You know, it's it's culture, mm. and art is culture. Culture is art. But you know, like, I'm not as, I am a spiritual person, I guess. But like, art is my religion. You know, mm. like, hip hop and acting are my altars. Nice. You know. Um, yeah, uh, that's when I have religious experiences. That's when I felt most connected to something beyond myself. Um, you know, like when you're on your second hour of freeze uh, dialing and everybody's freaking out, and you know, and you, it's like you don't. Where is that coming from? Yeah, you know, like it's it's something beyond yourself. And all my best acting is not planned, of mm. course. You know, like you just got to be there. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and I, I think for people who have a really strong relationship to their faith and to a culturally based faith that's been passed on to them, mm-hmm. I think that's something I'm never going to fully understand. But there's probably something akin to that, probably more um, profound, maybe. I don't know. It's It's not my place to say. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I think... When it comes to hip hop and rappers, like, I mean, I think a great MC can do both. Like, if you are just really good at rapping a cappella, then you're like a spoken word artist. Mm-hmm. You're a poet. And I think any MC worth his salt can write a song, can freestyle a song, can rap a cappella, and can also fit their flow to any beat that yeah. it needs to be. Like, that's a fully well rounded MC, you know. Uh, mover of the crowd uh and it's just like acting i think like a good well-rounded actor can do comedy and drama and slapstick and stage combat and film and voiceover and theater like musicals uh yeah i guess i mean yeah i i wish i could i could I would have to spend a lot more money on vocal lessons that I don't have. Uh, but, I mean, I could do Hamilton or In the Heights, the two lead parts, mm-hmm. oddly enough, probably better than anything else in the canon, except for maybe, I don't know, the guy who sings Mr. Cellophane. Oh, yeah. Um, just because of what my voice can do. And luckily, Lynn manuel Miranda writes the lead parts for himself, and he can't sing very well. Mm. So those parts, when they do sing, it's pretty doable within my range. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. I mean, I, yeah, just because you can't do musicals doesn't mean you're better or worse. But I think the more you can do and do with your body as an actor, the but, you know the the more acting is about being able to do anything. Like uh, Jack Nicholson said once, it's like pretending to be your grandma going to get groceries. It's anything. Like mm-hmm. any good actor should be able to act out anything. And it's believable. Yeah. I might not be on pitch, but I can tell you the story, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, yeah, I, I definitely don't want to get into a value ar- argument about it, but... You know, I I won't lie. Like I admire Hugh Jackman even more because I know he can sing and dance, mm-hmm. and he still does all the other shit we see yeah. him do. 
and he can do comedy where he has balls hanging from his chin mm. or he can do prisoners and boy from oz and logan mm. you know like i just don't know many actors who have that kind of versatility um you know like yeah. that's probably my only regret if that that's not even a regret i just like i don't know i wish i was born with better vocal cords mm. that's kind of stupid but i would be working more that's definitely for certain like all the actors i know from my class who have been working consistently since college were musical theater majors um and that's a big reason why they're still working a lot they're also wonderful and wonderfully talented but you know in this country it's musicals shakespeare and children's theater those are where you can make a living in theater in this country Mm. pretty much that's it or academia those are the those are the spots. Yeah. And I can't sing, so bring on the kids and the Shakespeare. <laughs> I can only sing at karaoke bars. Because then I'm about two shots in. I don't think they'd let me do a musical. I've heard you sing. You 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 got a great voice. You yeah. can sing better than me. Yeah, well. I think you should go for it. Thank you. Oh, I mean someone put on Phantom of the Opera and maybe I'll give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think that's what it's gonna take to get me. Into that area. Because you love that musical so much? I love that musical a lot. It's, the old, it's like the first musical I ever saw, so when I saw it, I was still really young, and so when the mm-hmm. chandelier comes down and breaks on stage, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Magic. Yeah. Theater is real. Theater is real. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, that's where it is, but then I, I, look, I listen to other musicals, and for me, there's, I, have, I have a disconnect with it. And I agree, I don't think there is a... There is not a better or worse in the conversation. It's different tastes. Mm. Um, for me, I I tried really hard to give a lot of musicals like the time that they they need. But at the end of the day, I'm a man who loves a still moment and a in a for lack of a better word, straight play than I do musical numbers of twenty people singing sure. and dancing. It's, well, there's a lot of you know. There's like next to normal or mm. uh, you have to find the, the last one. five years. Um, Jason Robert Brown's musicals can feel a little bit more grounded Mm. Um, especially the last five years because it's only two people and a piano like that's how it's supposed to be done and next to normal is like I don't know it's like a female version of Death of a Salesman in my opinion Mm. the way it deals with mental illness and it's a small cast of like eight people and it's mostly in a, in a house, you know, like I saw it on Broadway. So of course it was still pretty spectacular, but mm-hmm. it wasn't because it was like 42nd street or chorus line, you know? Yeah. Um, and those kind of musicals are becoming more popular because yeah. the, the genre as a whole is growing and expanding. Um, and you know, the 42nd streets and the lion Kings are always going to be the really hot sellers, but even Hamilton at points, I think, feels like um, feels like a very grounded play, especially like scenes between Washington and Hamilton or uh, ha- ha- Hamilton and either of the Schuyler sisters, one of whom he eventually marries. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in the Heights is definitely a big cast too, but like, I, I don't know, those two plays specifically, because so much hip-hop is in them, and especially in the Heights, because it's about like, First generation immigrants and corner stores. My uncle owns a corner store and, you know, it's in another language and everybody's brown, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's so infused with hip hop. 
and the lead guy raps 90% of the time. So yeah. I was like, my senior year of college, I was memorizing all of Usnavi's parts, thinking I'm going to do this. Nice. And then it didn't happen. <laughs> but you know, then I also realized after Lin-Manuel leaves those shows, they still look for somebody who can sing really well. Totally. But with that said, if it's happening regionally and they're not casting out of New York, that's always an option. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say just, especially the last five years, um, especially the last five years, because that feels really like a play. Um, and next to normal, uh, if you can check those out, I think they might surprise you. Um, I got to really learn to appreciate musicals by going to my program where we mixed MTs and actors together. Mm -hmm. It's just the musical theater people had extra classes. And, and eventually we pestered the program to give us extra classes too that the musical theater people can't take because that's kind of bullshit. Yeah. Um, and that helped me a lot. Like, I learned that I could sing when I went to college. I also learned where I am and people who can sing because you know, I was going to school with people who could hit a high C and kick their face. Huh. And that's like, those are the people who go to Broadway. Those are the people who will work mm -hmm. in theater the rest of their lives and make a paycheck. They might not always be, they might be working at an amusement park, mm. but they're going to be making good money, yeah. you know, um, at least, you know, pretty decent money. Uh, uh, so, yeah, that helped me a lot in learning to appreciate that, especially my friend and fraternity brother, Eric Folks. Uh, what up, Bacon? Uh <laughs> He uh, he is a huge musical theater nerd and uh, did a show choir when he was in high school, but was an acting major like me. But when we would like drive around places, he jammed out the show tunes, you mm -hmm. know. So he's the one who showed me the last five years, showed me Parade, uh, showed me. I think there's a musical called The Civil War, mm -hmm. um, things like that. That it helped me appreciate more the depth and like how a really good musical can be like a long day's journey in tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even despite the big numbers, if it's done well enough, like yeah. some of the best performances I've ever seen in my life were musical theater performances where somebody's doing a song, like a monologue because that's what they are. Yeah. And you're seeing somebody like bring you to tears and also hit every note directly and also be totally embodied. And it was like, I don't know. I mean, it, it's the highest art form in a lot of ways because you're bringing so many things together. It's like musical theater, film are probably the most dynamic forms of art you could possibly make. Yeah. I just want more hip hop musicals to happen. Yeah, definitely. Lin-Manuel can't be the only guy. Um, could you write one? I've thought about it. I mean, I probably could. It's just I would need somebody to help me write the music. Mm -hmm. I could write the words and work on the plot because I've, you know, I'm a writer too and I, I, I've written plays. But, um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm really good at rapping. So it would be great to be able to find a way to make these things, bring those things together. Mm -hmm. I mean, e even just trying to find opportunities here in Denver has proven challenging because either I'm in rehearsal or I'm in a show or 
despite that, like I just don't know that many people in the hip hop scene here. Mm-hmm. There's not a huge crossover between theater people and hip hop people. Yeah. Which has all always been the case, but I've usually been able to find some people. Yeah. Here it's like I'm lucky if I find people who listen to modern hip hop, you know. Um mm-hmm. so that's that's fine. But you know, that's still culturally who I am. I probably relate more to hip hop than anything else culturally in terms of how I define myself. But I'm also aware of the fact that I'm not a black American, so like, you know, it. I am of the culture, but it isn't my culture. Yeah. If that makes sense. Absolutely. But I'm. I'm still like, I'm more hip hop than Arabic or Welsh or American, maybe even. Mm-hmm. But nah, because hip hop is as American as apple pie. Um, but oh, yeah, yes. like, you know, it's just trying to figure out where where things go and where things are with that said if I could hit hit a high C and kick my face that'd be awesome too mm-hmm. you know well that just takes some stretching <laughs> at least for some of it right right I, I just mean like 12 pirouettes in a row you know just like yeah. you're on a Broadway tour mm-hmm. making two grand a week you know two like, shows a day yep yeah. that's what I mean they're ex- they're exhausted but like you know, the the people I know who've been working consistently in musical theater have their student loan debt paid off. Wow. Is what I'm... Like, my friend Kobe Kendall has been on a Broadway national or international tour for most of these past 10 years. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, he... I, I think he's... I'm not sure if he's been technically a lead. He's 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 definitely gone on for, for leads. Or mm-hmm. My other friends, Steve Zarnicki and Liz Scheivner... They're both doing the national tour of Les Mis right now, you know, and it's like those guys are not just, you know, scraping by. They're like making serious money. They're going to be able to buy homes eventually or, you know, buy a really nice apartment in New York that they can sublet when they're not around or Mm. whatever they choose to do with their money. I I, I don't know. But like still they are making adult sums of money. That like most adults assume other adults are making, um, mm-hmm. especially if you've gone to college. But yeah. you know, um, with, with with that said, like they're not doing Uber Eats to make ends meet. Right, right, yeah. right. And you know, with with that said, I also know people who are just acting who are doing that too. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just yeah. We're not is we're not putting culture. it down at all. I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. just I mean it's differing, it's differing skill sets, differing situations and still economic opportunity and economic really. opportunities but still that dedication of the artist hasn't changed and there's yeah. still I mean yeah, we, we put in work it's always a grind depending on how it looks to other people it's always a grind yeah sure and, and again it's, it's not like saying this is better than that or that's more difficult no. than that it's just like they work more yeah. and when they work they make a real money mm-hmm. you know that's that's really the only thing totally. in terms of musicals but I would still love to do one eventually and like I said you know like uh, maybe try to create more of that in the way of hip hop or I don't know make a one man show that incorporates that more something like that how do you feel when you rap like what does it do for you Mm, um, it makes me feel like myself Mm. it reminds me of who I am and where I come from uh um, it, it usually 
lets me check in with where I am or just lets me have fun, you know. I mean, at the at the best it's just like thoughtless fun verbal gymnastics trying to see what I can do, what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. You know, when there's a party it's like just trying to impress people. Um but all also it's just a meditative too, you know, like I really love to freestyle. I'm not as good as I used to be, but I'm I'm still pretty on point. Um you know, it's just like being free. Again, like free falling. Like the 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 two things I like to do the most are things that I, the craft is striving for no craft is like striving for the absence of yourself. Mm. Um is just like letting something else go through you is letting yourself go mm-hmm. um you know uh i i think uh that both of these things give me that and with hip hop it's more like again just reminding myself who i am and where i come from and what i feel comfortable with mm-hmm. like i feel really comfortable with like a blunt and like some really loud ass bass ass offensive ass fucking music you mm-hmm. know like that's me that's who i am yeah is like me and my element is is that you mm-hmm. know um and uh yeah i don't know that's 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 me um that's great i think like if you go to my soundcloud like some of the things i've i've written it's usually political or really personal mm-hmm. and those are just things that are like things I'm angry about or things that I need to work through um also it's just a uh a way of letting people know they're not alone which I think is what art does period like mm. that's why I want to uh, you know do everything um as much as I can because I think outside of like commercials and voiceover I guess cuz that's more about the money mm-hmm. but um you know like to to do a film or to do a play that a lot of people get to see emphasis on a lot you know um it's just try to uh, is throw a, a wide of a net as possible to let as many people know as possible that they are not the only ones going through life yeah and like anything that they might feel or resonate with it's because they're seeing somebody else go through it you know um uh you know John Leguizamo mm-hmm. Uh his one man show Freak which was on HBO directed by Spike Lee back in like the late 90s. I saw that when I was a kid and that like before I even realized I wanted to be an actor, I just was like, "Oh, I'm not the only one." Here's a brown guy, you know, speaking another language. His his dad has a funny ac- accent, you know, and he's playing his whole family um up on stage by himself. and he's showing his family being dysfunctional and his parents being ignorant and beautiful and graceful and amazing and wretched and cruel and it was like i'm you know i'm not the only one yeah uh and it made me also see that you can celebrate those things about yourself that at one point you may have been ashamed about yeah um more specifically like how poor you are or what your family is like you mm-hmm. know um cuz i used to think like my family is so weird most people most people's families aren't this fucked up mm-hmm. you know and then i was like oh no not at all and also 
seeing him do that helped me see that like theater isn't just for rich people. Yeah. Like it's it's not just a thing that like is made for you know it's like uh, for us by us for wasps you know mm-hmm. like it's, it's it's not white gloves and monocles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To some extent, yeah, because even like a death of a salesman or something, which I think is a, an amazing piece, and it's not it's not you know bouge bourgeoisie but it's you know it's definitely white collar mm-hmm. you know and e- even that can seem far removed from like I'm more like a Stephen Adley Gerges play mm-hmm. that's like what my family is like you yeah. know it's like fuck this fuck that you know where's the fucking cigarette you know like that's what my family was mm-hmm. and is to a certain degree now you know people grow and change um, so seeing Freak like now I know, like, that's one of the big reasons why I'm an actor, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like seeing that or n- seeing my brother in Denzel Washington, you know, just in the way he would behave or, like, the idea of masculinity that some of his characters would put on. I was like, that's my brother. I've seen that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that. I know what that is. Uh, you know, and... Uh, yeah, I, I've... I lost my train of thought again. <laughs> so, uh, uh, how much um, that, like I guess that freedom and, and reminding yourself of where you came from, um, stemmed or helped create Mosque, the play you wrote, which uh, is about to be produced, if I'm not yes, mistaken. Yes, uh, fear uh, through Fearless Theater here in Denver at the Bakery, uh, awesome. uh, for two weeks in mid December, I believe December seventh through the fifteenth. I might have those dates a little off, uh, but uh, yeah. Um, well, like fe- feeling free to be myself and remember who, where I come from. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely a a large bit of it. Yeah, like I set the play in ha- ha- Harlem, a traditionally black neighborhood for big reason because like so much of african-american culture influenced my life and uh you know trying to relate to that culture as somebody who's not quite white you know like i was white boy but then like some of my best friends would be like nah man you're kind of black because you're not white you know and Mm. i i'm clearly not black i know that but you know that just that the uh bridge you know uh and then um I mean, I wrote the play because my sister on my mom's side didn't think the mosque should have been built there. Mm. And I didn't know how to confront her about that. And then I also was working up the courage to tell my dad I wasn't a Muslim. So it it is definitely a very personal piece in terms of all those things. Mm -hmm. And like right after 9-11, my dad's side of the family dealt with a lot of hate crimes. Um, uh, Hate crimes, I think went up a thousand percent after 9-11. And the only time that hate crimes against Muslims and perceived Muslims and Arabs, uh, uh, including Sikhs and Persians Mm -hmm. uh, and some Latino people, uh, the, the only other time it's been that high was in the past like year, right after Donald Trump was uh, elected. Uh, so, you know, like my dad was held at gunpoint for an hour, for hours, uh, was robbed and held at gunpoint, 
um, out, outside of his house within a few weeks after 9-11. They, they spray painted, go home, outside of their house. Uh, you know, uh, my stepmom, my dad got a lot of shit because of her, her job around then. And now, in the past few years, both of my sisters have gotten shit for wearing their hijabs. Because them especially, you know, when you see a, a brown woman wearing a hijab, it's clear there's no murky area. That's a Muslim, mm -hmm. an Arab Muslim, you know. Um, so all of those things played a big part in just wanting to make the play, wanting representation. Because, like, even this play and Rajiv Joseph's work or Ayad Akhtar's work, hope I said his name right, um, they're amazing work and they mean a lot to me and they're beautiful, but they're not Arab plays. Mm -hmm. If we were in a bigger market, neither of us would be in this show. Yeah. Like, when I got called in for a Rajiv Joseph show when I was in New, New York and I, was, I got a call back and I got to read in front of Rajiv Joseph and, like, late 2010 uh, I was the lightest guy in the room everybody else was clearly Indian or Pakistani uh, Americans and it was clear like this casting director doesn't understand the difference between Arab and Southeast Asian because mm -hmm. most of America does not yeah. um, uh, so like that was a big part of it too was just trying to create an Arab American diaspora like you know, uh, like uh, uh, trying to cr trying to create representation of that culture, because mm -hmm. even now the only famous Arab American actor of our time right now is uh, Rami Malek, the guy from Mr. Robot, and his role isn't dependent on him being Arab. Mm -hmm. He he's just the guy who's Mr. Robot, and he's yeah. really good. You know, and that's awesome, but. All the things where it's specific, like this is a Muslim American guy. All the big things like the night of, or uh, uh, this play, Guards at the Taj, or the North Pool, what I was called in for, or Disgraced, that was just at the DCPA. Mm -hmm. All those are about Pakistani, specifically Pakistani Muslims. Mm. And maybe that's because... There's more Pakistanis than Arabs in the country. I, I, I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. But that's always been a big thing for me. Like, it's always been, oh, you're Pakistani, right? Mm -hmm. No, Palestinian is a clear difference. They're like 2,000 miles away from each other. Yeah. You know, one's here, one's there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. So that's a, that's a big thing for me, too, is just creating representation for me and my culture and my specific slice of American culture yeah. like the more American than Arab Arab American atheist but is totally okay with Islam and kind of identifies as one only in the sense that they should all be appreciated and basically master of none but with the Arab dude you know yeah. like that's the thing and it, it's still like those things still mean so much to me and I still feel representation but it's still lacking mm. you know it's like Oh, Latinos are finally in the in the scene, but nobody's really talking about Puerto Ricans, you know. Or I, that's probably not the best simile, um, but you know, it's something like that. So all of those things, and then also just wanting to create an opportunity for myself, 
Um, hearing no a lot in college helped me learn that you have to create your own opportunities. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, all, all of those things put together. And now, in hindsight, seeing how that was kind of a a uh, I don't want to say touchstone. There's another word like a tipping point mm. in our culture. I think outside of right after 9-11, uh, it, it was a tipping point in recent modern American history of us. Like I think Islamophobia really started to burn bright during that time. Yeah. And that, you know, like that, that, that was around the birther stuff. Trump was starting to become more politically viable. Um, and, you know, part of that, along with the birther stuff, was saying how this mosque near Ground Zero wasn't cool, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, uh, I think that it's important to look at that now to see partially why we are where we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So all of those things. Totally. Complicated answer. Well, no. I mean, it's it. I was there for one of the uh, readings that you had. Recently. Thank you, by the way. No, man. It was it was. I was really happy to be there. Once I heard it as it came, as the story was being flushed out. I mean, yeah. It's it centralized. There's a it centralizes around a character similar to your to yourself. You read for that part. Um, but then with this, the whole thing about a mosque being built near Ground Zero, right across the street, in fact, yes? Or at least uh, in the... Uh, it, it was within five blocks mm-hmm. of the World Trade Center, which is also ridiculous because there were other mosques within five or ten blocks yeah. of it as well. It's just this would be new, this would be an Islamic mm-hmm. community center so it wouldn't just be like a uh, door front it, it would be a it is a whole thing like it's it's there now yeah um but but yeah and then just the whole whole idea of uh, to build it that close to 9-11 is a spit in the face to all the people who died that day again it was just uh trying to equate islamic extremism mm-hmm. and terrorism with the religion itself with the culture itself mm-hmm. It's like saying, like, how dare they build a church next to, you know, <laughs> it's like, how dare they rebuild the church that that Klansman blew up? Yeah. Because that Klansman was Christianity. You know, it's, yeah. I mean, again, those are Christians fighting Christians. So maybe that's a little different. I mean, these are all, you know, yeah. the, these are all things from the fucking uh, crusades. Yeah. And from just people's idea of what American is mm. and how um, that needs to be a certain thing you know like uh, representative Steve King I think that's his name said that all great things in history come from western white culture <laughs> you know um, yeah. and he's really owning like no we have to work hard on immigration or this won't be our country anymore it won't be uh, America mm. if enough people come in yeah. that aren't white Christian Europeans no. um, and God, God forbid we lose America I mean we've we we don't have I we've erased so many other histories to mm-hmm. create our 13 colonies and then our great migration west like I love the idea that we're gonna lose ourselves 
when we've already destroyed so much. Right, right. That it, without getting, I mean, yeah, no, it's, a, it's an excellent point. It, I, I, one of the things I loved about your play was this idea of Americanism, or being American, seemed also to be so wrapped up in fear. Like of the, the other. Yeah, my, the, the, I defined my Americanness through my ab, my sheer appallment at, which I don't even know is a word at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, of this other side. Mm-hmm. And uh, I define my American, uh, my, uh, my ability to be Amer- uh, American based on what I am not, based mm-hmm. on not being you. Yeah. Because you are not that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, it, one of the cool things is through that, throughout Mosque, is the parallels between the sides against the mosque being built and then your, your character within his family relationship, you're fine. The family relationship, his relationship with his girlfriend and his friend. I mean, how some of that stuff kind of comes up too, defining oneself through what I am not. And it's, it, from that perspective, it's a really nice piece at, at showing that side of life without getting preachy and or I would say overall negative towards one side. Yes, there's a voice that says that they, that I heard that was like these people who were fighting the band or the fighting the mosque are just crazy to a degree, or maybe crazy is harsher, but it wasn't like standing from the pulpit slamming down saying you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. It was an examination of all of us, and as I said it that night, I saw it. It was it was not just a Arab story was an American story. Thanks, man. That was, that's kind of the point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I always am the guy doing the devil's advocate thing. My friend, Eric folks, again, from college was really good at that of, you know, he'll become more moderate in a room full of liberals and he'll become more liberal in a room full of conservatives mm-hmm. just to, for intellectual honesty to mm-hmm. like, challenge the idea and I'd just be like they're they're dumb yeah. okay why you know like yeah. really put yourself in their shoes really like yeah. everyone who disagrees with me is not stupid yeah. that just isn't possible yeah. um, I think a majority of people are stupid but um, even that took me a while to get to mm-hmm. but I, I still think that like you have to value everybody's opinion and uh, you can't sign off any human being as a monster no even Genghis Khan and Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Osama bin Laden, those guys are people. They farted, they made people laugh, they made people cry. They, a uh, few of them I'm sure were loving fathers to a certain degree. Um, you know, like yeah. Os- Osama's family was crying when the seals came in and killed them and shit, you know? Yeah. They're still people. Even though they do horrendous, awful, god, ungodly things that, like, they should be punished for, for, for sure. I'm not saying, like, you get off scot-free for no. your deeds, but it's so much easier for us to write anything off that we disagree with or are disgusted by, no matter how far... You know, not saying, like, if you have uh, political beliefs opposite of me, you're a monster yeah. or on par with the names I just said, but more just, like... It's so easy to put the uh, other side of things to to make it the other yeah. when there is no other. Yeah. 
the totally. idea of other is a, is a lie that we tell ourselves because we're like we have primate brains mm. yeah. you know like it, there is no other we're all human beings yeah. and the sooner we can try to come to terms with the fact that Adolf Hitler was a baby and he might have been a pretty good painter and maybe maybe he was fun to hang, hang out with maybe mm. if you were in the right situation and you spoke his language and you both had the right amount of beer in you or whatever yeah. you might have maybe you could have had a good day with good old Addy yeah. whatever the fuck you'd call it you know mm. like they're people yeah. and that means that you are capable of that too mm. and that's what people don't want to admit that like you could totally be pro or anti-abortion depending on the situation you were raised in and what circumstances you've had. Totally. You know, and that goes the same to, you know, I think yeah. this, this play does a good job of that, of showing that, like, people who do horrendous things mm. aren't maybe the monsters you think them to be. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, and I, that's just really fucking hard. Yeah. That's hard to deal with. That's hard to talk about. Yeah. Um, and that's so much of our cultural issues now. That's so much of the country is we are stealing, still dealing with slavery mm. and what that means and how to view it and how to be honest about it and how to talk about it. We're still dealing with the genocide yeah. that we don't know how to talk about mm. and we don't know how to deal with. Um, you know, and I, I think like being honest about the situation in as many ways as possible, like you know that not shying away from the horror of it but at the same time embracing the humanity of both sides mm -hmm. because there's always humanity on both sides absolutely you know until yeah. we're fighting robots and even then if they're fighting us they're probably got some shred of consciousness yeah. you know like there's still there's still a valid form of humanity for lack of a better word you know mm -hmm. like uh, and I think that that's uh, empathy. We're empathy machines, man. Yeah. We create empathy, and that's uh, that's what makes art so important. Is that it? It shows that you know, for however long, everybody's drawn something. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. We we all view the world, and we all have basically the same life. We all basically have the same thing happen to us. Totally. Just there's a myriad of possibilities, but it's all still, you know, you're born, you poop, you shit, you eat, maybe you love, maybe you have sex, you die. Like we all do those things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's uh, that's what gives me hope. And I think the best way to do that as an artist is to try to embrace as many different things as possible. Um, even things that you find reprehensible. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like... You I can't judge your characters. Right, of course, of course. And I think that goes to, like, you can't judge people. Mm -hmm. um, it's becoming harder for me to do that in my personal life. Same. But easier for me to do it as I develop as an actor more. Mm -hmm. um, and just trying to continue that. And, you know, like, uh, enlightenment through art. Yeah. It's kind of my goal. Great point. Usually around this time when we get near the end of a, an episode, I ask my guest uh, what is something they would do to leave the ghost light on for the next generation, the, the people coming up behind them, basically, any like, words of, 
don't know, motivation or whatever, a message that you wish you had gotten when you started out? Is there anything like that from you? Don't worry, work hard. Mm. The only, like, yeah, there's so many things I worried about. You know, do I need to become a better musical theater actor? You know, do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? Am I living in the right place? Mm. Um, you know, like, oh, is, is this person going to come here? Like, just focus on what you have control over and work hard. Yeah. Work very hard. And that's it. And, like, it may happen, it may not. I don't know. Maybe in three years I'll be back working at a restaurant. I don't know. Um, but I'm going to be working as hard as I possibly can to prevent that from happening. Mm -hmm. And uh, just knowing that, like, you know, it's never easy, it's never simple. Uh, and it might be, like, piecing things together. You know, it's just what, what, whatever you need to do to make a living doing what you want to do. I mean, if just about the, the ghost light, I guess specifically actors or theater people in general is yeah stay dedicated work hard don't quit I don't know if I die trying to do this mm. that's better than you know dying having quit um and I don't think that will be the case uh I've been very lucky and very blessed lately um and I think that's partially a product of my work ethic absolutely and like what I bring into the room uh, be be yourself relax don't worry just work hard if whenever I find myself worrying now I just start working on what I'm worried about nice. and then usually within five or ten minutes if I really was supposed to be worrying about that thing I'll be working on that all night. Mm. And if I'm pretty good and I was just in my head, I'll put it down and go back to hanging out with Allison or watching YouTube or whatever the fuck it is, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, man, just, uh, yeah, and just know that it's always possible. It's just a matter of how and when and why. And maybe it's a matter of finding the survival job that works for you or finding a survival job you love as much as what you're doing. Uh, but you know, it, it's always the, the work comes first, you know, Definitely. it's always about the work. Uh, yeah, relax, have fun. Don't forget to breathe. Mm, definitely. Well, thanks again, Jihad. Really appreciate you being here with me tonight. And I love the fact that we get to go back to work on Monday and keep, keep digging at it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. All right, um, everybody out there in the Ghost Lights podcast land, please subscribe to us. Subscribe to us on iTunes. We are finally there. We can, you can find us now. You can download us. And if you subscribe, you don't even have to download us. It just happens to be on your phone every time. So do that. Find us on Podbean. Um, this is going to be episode five. It's, we're, we're off to a, a, a fast start. And uh, yes, check out Mosque um, later on in the year. And come see Guards at the Taj and Betsy with your boy, Sammy Be Real, your boy, Jihad, directed by Stephen Weitz, stage managed by Rick Morales, assistant directed by Jenna Mulrays. We got names, people. We got skill. We got it all for days. Days. Peace.